Okay, who's ready for a quiz? No, we won't do that. <laughs> Kathy, you teed this up really well. I appreciate that. We, we continue talking about living our best life. Who doesn't want to live their best life, right? But oftentimes the question is, how do we do that? What, is that? what does that look like? And so as we talk about living our best life today, we're going we're gonna to kind of stray from what society tells us is important, what culture tells us is the most important, and we're going to talk about what it looks like living our best life in the eyes of Jesus. To do that, what we're going to focus on today is praying for others. We're going to talk about it in some practical ways. Kathy taught us a great prayer, and I know without quizzing you, you remember all of that. And if not, Kathy can help you with it. But it's, but it's an important thing for us to do. It's an important part of, of what life is about because our best life, our best life puts others first. That, that flies in the face of, of what we hear all the time of it's all about me, what do I want, what does my life really reflect, I want to know what I get out of all of this, and, and I tends to be the driving factor. Today, I want you to pull that out, and we're going to talk about putting others first. Really living a life that, that reflects the heart of Christ. So as we do that this morning, I want to ask you a question. Why do you pray? Why do you pray? My guess is, on some level, it happened when we were little and it has carried on, and we pray like we make a Christmas list. Here's what I want. Here's who I want you to help. Here's what I want to see happen. This is, and, and the list goes on and on, and it becomes all about ashes, dust to dust. And we talk about from dust we came and from dust we shall return. However, however, that sells short who we really are. It is from God we came and to God we shall return. Who of you doesn't want to go to heaven? Not, not, a, not a hand in the crowd. You know, what we want to do is... We want to come from God, recognizing that that's where our life came from. We want to return to God. Well, what about that place in the middle? Whose life is it anyway? It's really God's life. And if we want to live our best life, if that's truly our heart's desire, to live our best life, then our life needs to reflect that our life really isn't our own. This morning I ask you, this is rhetorical, okay, but I do want you to think about it, and I do want you to be able to answer it for yourself. Are you, in search of your best life, are you willing to give your life to God? Because my friends, if truly, if truly what we want to do is live our best life, that's going to be a part of it. To give us a foundation, we're going to go to the book of Matthew this morning. We're going to be in the fifth chapter of Matthew. We're going to run kind of toward the end of that chapter, and I want to share these verses with you. 
it helps us kind of focus. I know you've heard them before, but if you would, just open, open your mind, open your heart, and hear them again. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. We want to look like Jesus. We want to look like Jesus. And that calls us to take that that road less traveled as you heard those words as as we we dove into them what it said is you know if we only do those things that are 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 that come natural to love our family to love our friends to like the people that we like to care for those that that we think are important we're no different than anybody else scripture tells us even even pagans do that even and, and they called them tax collectors. Even tax collectors do that. But, but here's the deal. When, when you go back and you look at the early church, if you, if you look at the church in the book of Romans, there's amazing things going on. I mean, we talked about the book of Romans for several weeks this summer, and we talked about what it looks like to have, you know, a, a divided kingdom come together under the, the, the lordship of Christ. But, but the Roman folks were absolutely, they, they just could not believe how Christian people lived. If, if there was a person in their community that was sick, they took care of them. If there was a person in their community that was hungry, they fed them. They made sure they were clothed. They made sure there was a roof over their head. And, and they truly, they showed the love of Jesus to each other. And that was amazing to them. However, that wasn't the most impactful. The most impactful part was that even people that didn't believe in Jesus, even people that weren't a part of their following, if they were sick, what did the Christian people do? They took care of them. They fed them. They're like, this is craziness. Why would you help people that don't look like you? Why would you help people that don't believe what you believe? Does it sound like where we are in this country today? We're talking about something absolutely unique as Christian people saying that we will, we will care for everyone, we will love everyone, even when we don't agree with them, even when we don't believe what they believe, because 
we want to reflect Jesus. And Jesus reflects being loving and graceful to everybody. Praying for those, praying for those that oppose you. He says praying for your enemies, but, but I want to be a little, a little softer with that this morning. And, and, and I want to tell you a story. And it, 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 it happened when I had the opportunity to plant a new church. Now, that sounds exciting, right? You know, you get picked to plant a new church. So you, so you go and, and you get there and you have like no people and you have no building and you have nothing and you're going to start from scratch and you're going to build this body of Jesus and you just envision it being just wonderful and beautiful and you're going to reach out and bring new people into a relationship with Jesus and it's so exciting and all of that's true except the people that come into a new church start you know there are those people that didn't know Jesus that come and they want to know Jesus and you have that blessing but here's here's the biggest chunk of the people that first start coming to a new church People that are really unhappy at the church they're at. They're very cranky about some specific things they were more than glad to share with me about the church where they were at. And pastor, this church surely will never be like that. Now, I'm not going to say that those people were enemies, but I'm going to say that they were definitely a challenge for me. And some of them were more of a challenge than others. And I started praying for them. It was, it was not like, Lord, you know, this is difficult. It was like, you know what, Lord? I know you love them, but I'm not sure I do. <laughs> and you know what? As much as I look at them, I can't see one possible thing that you would love about them. <laughs> so I'm asking you, I'm really, I'm truly asking you, what do you love about them? Would you let me see what you see? I know you created them. I know they're your children. That's a powerful prayer. And I encourage you, I encourage you to do that. Here's why. You know, all of those people I prayed for, they changed like that. No, that's not true. They did not change. You know, I think they changed. Sure, they did, some, to an extent. But I changed. I changed. I started saying, you know what, I don't know what created this, but, but I know God loves them, and I'm going to love them. And, and I just committed myself to say, you know, it, it can't be me loving them, but it has to be God loving them. And, and so I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for those people that are challenging in my life. And you can call them enemies if you want. You can call them those, those rebel rouser folks in your life. You can call them... You can call them whatever you want, but you know in your heart of hearts there are people you struggle with being around and people you struggle with loving. And this scripture says quite clearly 
if you only love people that you want to love, you're no different than anybody else. You're no different than the pagans. But if you're willing to do what you cannot do on your own, by the way, and if you're willing to open your life and your heart to the possibility that you could see things differently, the possibility that God could actually change someone else's life, then you start to look like Jesus. Because that's who Jesus is. The one that meets us where we are. The one that loves us as we are. The one that says to us, let's seek the Father together. Now, I took you to the end of that fifth chapter of Matthew, and I want to kind of back us up a bit. What I want us to do is take a little deeper dive into the Sermon on the Mount. And this is, this is one of those passages of Scripture that, that really people have talked about and in discussed they they have argued over for a long time and the question was this is this what it looks like in heaven or is Jesus really talking to us is he saying to us this is really the thing that you ought to do this is really what I hold to have value and I offer to you that that it has to do completely with today when Jesus went out onto the mountain he didn't go out because there were several thousand people out there and he said you know I'm gonna give you a message today he went out on the hillside and first there were five and then there were ten and then there were a hundred and then there were a thousand and scripture tells us there were several thousand that gathered and he didn't tell them about the heaven that they would live into he said very simply this is the life i call you to this is this is the life that that will bring about your best life now that's paraphrasing a lot of what he said but but that's what he's saying he's saying if you want to live your best life here's what it looks like i know you've heard these words before but i'm going to take you back we're going to be in the fifth chapter. We're going to read the third through the twelfth verses. You can go back and read that this afternoon. But, but Jesus says this. He says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who persecute you because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. 
Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. We want to live our best life. To do that, to live our best life, we've got to follow the one that's going to get us where we're going. And to do that, it takes kind of rethinking life. It, it takes kind of rethinking priorities. And to do that, to do that, you know, we go back to those words. They remind us time and again that the world we live in is upside down. And that's okay. As long as we're following the life of Christ. As long as we're reflecting the love of Jesus. Following Jesus will get us where we're going. And if you want to live your best life, if you really want to live your best life, it's got to have Jesus at the center. And we're going to talk about a lot of things over the course of the next few weeks. But remember this. When we take ourselves out of the center and put Jesus in, when we're willing to actually commit ourselves to doing the things that Jesus did, the things that he asks us to do, it helps us find our new focus. And that's the task. In living our best life, we've got to find the focus. And I would offer to you that our best life, it rests right here. It rests right here. With others struggling to follow Jesus, are we ever going to do it perfectly? We're just not. Does it let us off the hook to not do better? It does not. It calls us to come together to support one another to live into the kingdom to come. So I make that invitation to you today. And I would ask that you do something. This week, what I'd like for you to do is pick out that person. Now, if you have a whole bunch, narrow it down to one, okay? That one person that you really struggle with. Now, will that person be different at the end of a week? Maybe not. Maybe. I'm not saying they won't. But I promise you this, you will be. And don't end it at a week. Continue to pray for them. That's reflecting the life of Jesus. Let us pray. Lord God, we are thankful that we can gather this morning and share together Again, the, the words of the Beatitudes, that, that instruction to pray for those that, that we really don't want to pray for and to love those we really don't want to love, but to be who you would be in us and through us. Lord God, we ask your blessing this day and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.